This is Sam from uh, Full Metal Movie Reviews, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. This week, Anth and I are discussing all things Big Trouble in Little China. Anth, how you going, buddy? Yeah, good, mate. Are you uh, calling from the Pork Shop Express by any chance? No, mate. I told you, I'm calling from the Full Metal Movie Reviews podcast. Oh, just trying to tie it in a bit better, but, you know, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> I don't drive a truck, and it's not called the Pork Truck Express, okay? I respect copyright law. Yeah, I don't. So, uh, what, are we, what are we reviewing today, Sam? <laughs> well, um, as I said earlier, uh, it's Big Trouble in Little China flashback episode, one of the old-time cult classic films, one of John Carpenter's, I guess, quintessential uh, masterpieces um, that he made in his filmography, it's very beloved by fans of sci-fi and fantasy. It took years to really get um, any sort of traction and sort of uh, following, um, in the, and it's finally sort of now only just sort of in the, the pop culture zeitgeist. Um, and what are your sort of initial uh, flashback memories of Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah, well, I mean, I never really watched Big Trouble in Little China when I say, you know, was a kid or anything. In fact, my first experience with Big Trouble in Little China was um, through your dad. So I uh, had yeah. Foxtel growing growing up, and Frank Frank knows what's up. <laughs> Frank knows what's up, and uh, I remember you guys were over, and uh, and uh, old Frank there was like, "Oh, F, can you uh, record these movies that come off Foxtel?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So he left me a whole bunch of VHSs. I never recorded. Of these movies, but one of the movies he wanted. So, uh, sorry, Frank, in advance, I owe you two blank VHS tapes. I'll get them to you at some point. It was uh, Big Trouble in Little China. And I remember watching it and not recording it, like the jerk I am. And I had no idea what it was about. I didn't quite get it because I was a bit young. And then a bit later on down the track, a, uh, oh, I guess an early 20s Sam and a late teens uh, aunt would get together and we'd watch these cult classics. And you got me onto John Carpenter. Like, I liked Halloween, but I never really got into his movies. I didn't quite see him or get into him. And you got me into him. And uh, Big Trouble, I fondly remember just watching it and going, you know what? This is the most craziest, just like car wreck of a movie. It just keeps going and smashing through. I absolutely loved it. So that's, that's my early memories of it. Oh, it's poetic. Look, listen, man, you don't have to say, you don't have to say it, but you're welcome, all right? It's my job to pass down the knowledge to the younger generations of telling them what films to fucking watch, and this is one of those films you fucking watch. You shut your mouth, you don't eat, you don't drink, you just watch what's on the screen, and you absorb it, and you enjoy the magic, and you appreciate it for what it is. A fucking good time. Um, so let's maybe break this bad boy down like we always do. Um... Well, I guess not like we always do, but <laughs> like we try to do and give some sort of structure to this uh, episode. So the basic plot is, if for those um, who don't know, uh, there is a sort of rough and tumble, um, I don't know, what's the what's the acronym? Go by, Lucky Go By, what's that saying? Lucky Go By, whatever it is, um, sort of character called Jack Burton. Uh, he's just a truck driver who's passing through San Francisco. He meets up with his, with his old uh, restaurant owner, Wang Chi. Um, Wang is a restaurateur, and basically, I think Jack's trucking something, or I don't know, they meet up at a market where Wang's just hanging out. They play some uh, cards to about dawn, and, um, you know, Jack wins some money from, uh, from Wang, and Wang can't pay up. He reckons it's at his restaurant. Jack's like... What do you mean? Take your restaurant. You owe me cash, and little little back and forth bants goes on. Um, and on the way to pick up the money, uh, Wang uh, basically says to Jack, he's got to go pick up his fiance from the airport, Mao Yin. And at the airport, Mao Yin gets abducted by some uh, some um, street thugs called the Lords of Death, and they take him to Chinatown. They follow him to Chinatown, and when they get to Chinatown, all hell breaks loose. Between two rival gangs, um, we've got sorcery, we've got hundreds, thousands of years of uh, Chinese black magic, and all this hijinks ensues. It's it's one of these films that's very hard to give a, a succinct plot synopsis because it goes left, right, center, left, right, center. But basically, <coughs> in Chinatown, <coughs> shit goes down. 
I just want to say I'm just on IMDb and it's got the plot keywords here. And this really, this sums it up. So if you're having any trouble summarizing this film for a friend, just say these plot keywords. Truck driver, Chinese, green eyes, sorcerer, Chinatown. That sums up this movie in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, Chinatown. Chinatown. Um, basically, the black black magic component of this film is um, there's this evil sort of sorcerer who's um, wilting away. Um, his name's David Lopan, and basically he needs to marry a girl, a Chinese girl with green eyes, in order to get um, uh, rejuvenated and get back into his prime form. Um, and basically, Jack Pan, um, in Chinatown teams up with, um, fuck, is it the Cheng Sing? They're the good guys, aren't they, the Cheng Sing? Or the Wing Kong? I can't remember. I always get oh, these two guys confused. Yeah. F- forget the names of a man. All I know is there was good guys and bad guys. Cheng Sing. I think it's the Cheng Sing. The Cheng Sing are the, the good guys of Chinatown, and Jack teams up with them with Wang and a guy called Egg, and Egg is the uh, tourist. He drives a tourist bus for tourists. And... Um, he is a good sorcerer, and they're out to squash the prophecy, defeat Lopin for once and for all. Um, and part of that sort of uh, escapade, Gracie Law, a reporter who has very loose, very weak um, threads, and she's kind of she's played as a sort of stupid dam- damsel in distress. But her involvement in this film. Is basically because she's reporting, I think, sex sex trafficking in Chinatown, um, and Lopan notices that Gracie Law has uh, green eyes, and he decides he's gonna marry Gracie Law, kill her, and then have Mei Lin as his, uh, I guess, his main bitch or his main squeeze. So Wing wants to de- defeat Lopan, or sorry, Wang wants to defeat Lopan to get his wife Mei Lin. Uh, Jack Burton wants to defeat Lopan to get. His love interest, Gracie Law, and Egg wants to defeat Lopan because he's a bad sorcerer. Does that make sense? I don't think it does. <laughs> hey, 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 you know what? That makes perfect sense. But I've just got a question. Was Gra- I thought Gracie Law was a lawyer and Margot was the, um, the reporter and Mar- Margot was brought in by Gracie Law uh, for her big story. Uh, it could be right. One of the two's one of them's a lawyer, doing about trafficking of people. No, one's a reporter. I thought she was a reporter. One's a reporter, one and one's a, a lawyer. Yeah, I think Gracie Law is a lawyer. I think. Mm. Listeners out there, you got one task and one task only, and that's to watch Big Trouble in Little China. Get back to us. Which one it is? All right, and if you haven't seen Big Trouble in Little China, you should be ashamed of yourselves and just watch it anyway, and then get back to us which one it is. All right, oh, I can't remember. I've seen this movie a thousand times, but I can't remember. Oh well, whatever. Um, so what? What's your favorite part or favorite um, sort of? Uh, I guess favorite quote or what's, what? do you really like about this film? Well, I'm glad you are, Sam. I really am. Because uh, I, I saw this film back to back for you. I watched it on Sunday in my Fu Manchu singlet. And, and that was just a big coincidence. That's when we decided to do it. And I was wearing that at the time. And then I watched it with the audio commentary yesterday. So, you know, I've had a big trouble in Little China kind of a couple of days. And my favorite part... <laughs> which, <laughs> my favorite part is when um, Jack... <laughs> oh, sorry. They are Jack and Wang. What the fuck stuck. is so funny? <laughs> They're just no. Jack, it's just the way it comes about. You got Jack who has no idea what the fuck is going on, right? Uh-huh. And you got Wang who's in the truck with him, explaining everything. And they come across. They're driving that big ass truck around in the t- tiny streets of Chinatown, right? And then they come across the um, the funeral. Right, with the good guys. And you've got Wang who's just giving this exposition. Like, oh, no, nah, they're the good guys. They're all right. And then for some reason, out of the blue, the bad guys just come out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, you've got a street war between, you know, two rival gangs we just get introduced to, right? In Kung Fu, like with Kung Fu, people breaking legs and all that type of stuff. Jack 
reaches down, grabs his knife, like that's really going to make a difference while he's sitting in the truck, right? I think that just sets the tone for the movie. And then to top it all off, four sorcerers come out of nowhere and just start killing everybody, and Jack drives a truck through one of the sorcerers. Now that there is probably one of the best introductions to a movie, like a movie action scene goes, ever. Left, left of field, <laughs> pretty fucking quick. So, so you're thinking you're watching a, like a conventional sort of maybe gangster film where Jack's got to save the girl from these uh, Lords of Death street gang, but then you see these fucking flying sort of uh, kung fu masters. And then when lightning, thunder, and uh, rain rock up, and they start doing some magic tricks, you're like holy fuck and then it's like an alice in wonderland sort of um epic sort of uh tale where it just gets twisted and darker and darker and more twisted as it goes on um the thing i like about this movie is first of all it's a thousand percent not even a hundred percent a thousand percent unique so there hasn't been a movie like it before well not to my knowledge and there hasn't been a movie sorry there wasn't a movie like it before and there hasn't been a movie like it since um and i guess it is by today's standards a bit cheesy particularly with the special effects and the plot isn't it's basically save the girl save the girl kill the 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 bad wizard but it's the execution and the execution is it's um comedic um light-hearted uh, adventurous, um, pretty much, um, not taken, not taken seriously, but, um, the actors are putting a hundred percent in, um, if that makes sense. And you never, it, it never, um, like movies today spend so much time with exp- exposition and world building and trying to explain the context in which the, pro- or the parameters of which the, the world is set. This doesn't give you any of that. This is just, yeah, it's happening. Deal with it. <laughs> and the best explanation you get is, um, like, basically, Jack's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Egg? We're not in China. We're in San Francisco. This is Chinatown. It's a block. A block within San Francisco. And and Egg's just like, China is here. And you're like, oh, okay, China is here. And then that's it. And you just, and you just got to suspend your disbelief. And you just sit there and you enjoy it for what it is. And that's what I miss about um, films th- today. It's not so much, um, not so much films that uh, like that aren't that films. Like I'm not one of those guys uh, where you know I shit on everything, but I do miss the fact that films written back in the day kind of um, expected the viewer to put the pieces together by themselves and not have everything. For, uh, sort of explained or laid out to them and as a kid watching this film your imagination is just it just runs wild like because you start you know you start thinking of things of oh maybe Lepen's done this in the past or maybe Jack's doing this, has done this and what's Egg up to and where's Egg come from and you just kind of fill in the blanks yourself and you have more fun with it uh, and I guess that nostalgia grows from that as opposed to like um, for instance uh, I'd say a, a good example would be um, okay, The Last Jedi, for instance, the Star Wars film. Um, in that film, they you know they show Kylo Ren killing um, Snoke, and they literally sh- show the lightsaber turning, getting turned on, and then him getting sliced. Whereas I guess you know. And basically, they do that to show you that Kylo Ren is, ter- is turning on his master, and they're trying to be very literal in that explanation. Whereas films back in the day, like the seventies and eighties, would kind of just do things without that context, and they probably wouldn't have cut it or edited it so much. Where you get half, get you get spoon fed step by step what's happening. Um, because like there is instances where um, Jack and Wang go to Lopan's, um, uh, is it lair or, or hideout? Um, and which happens to be like a, I don't know, like a subterranean sort of uh, warehouse where it's just, it's like a ma- massive sort of warehouse where it's just like sub-level and sub-level and sub-level. And there's just, just one room and it's just full of all these caged girls. And you're like, the fuck are there caged girls there? And it's like, oh yeah, these guys are, they're bad dudes, the fucking um, 
Changxing and the Lords of Death. No, not the Changxing, the uh, Wing Kong and the Lords of Death. So they obviously, you know, they are trading in the sex trade. He goes to a brothel owned by the Wing Kang. So it's just like things you that aren't explained to yourself. Like you did it, and you just got to put it to, together yourself. So that's, so that's what I really like about the film. That's the other thing with this movie, though, is that the exposition that's given to you is given to you at such a rapid, rapid, you know, fast pace. See, they literally they just go through and. If you are not listening, it doesn't really matter, but you're going to miss out whatever they're talking about. And I'll give you a perfect example of just how fast it is. I've seen this movie God knows how many times, right? And I had to rewind the other day and not rewind, you know, go back, play, because I totally missed this line before uh, when Gracie, that you know, they're planning to go rescue the girl and everything. And Gracie says, I'd go with you, but, and Jack says, I know there's a problem with your face. And it's just so fast-paced. It just comes out of nowhere. It comes out of left field. You, you, just, you just miss it. So every time I rewatch this movie, because it's so go, 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 I always pick up something new. And I think that's the other reason why it's such a cult hit to this day and rewatch is because you can watch it, know what's going to happen, but you can see it with a fresh, fresh face because you, know, you might catch something that you might have missed before. But it doesn't bother to go back and explain anything to you. It's just like, all right, you're in with the ride. You miss out. doesn't matter. You catch up later. Yeah, man. It's fucking epic. It's fucking glorious. Um, one of my favorite parts of the film is um, uh, when they're in the elevator and they're going to fight um, Lopan, the final fight, the final confrontation. And uh, Egg is like making some concoction, some potion, some like super cocktail. And uh, Jack, it's, this is why it's so good because it's so like it's not taking itself seriously. He, he, Jack just goes to him, "What's that egg? Secret potion?" Egg goes, "Yeah." What do we do? Drink it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> he drinks it. And when he when they're in the elevator, he's just like, "You know what? I feel really positive. I feel really good." <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> "I feel I feel invincible." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's just like these guys. It's just that's what it is. It's what like it's if you got that today, it would be like, "Oh, this is the potion of blah 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 blah," and it, and it consists of three sucking things and these things blah blah blah. You know, is it would have been just like, "No, nah, it's a secret potion." What does it do? Makes you feel yeah, it makes you feel positive. All right, cool. <laughs> what do I do? Drink it? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Like that's as much thought. And people can say, "Oh, that's just dumb and lazy writing," but it isn't. It's um, self-aware. It's before self-aware was in vogue. It was you know, it's just it's not wasting time on trash that doesn't nobody gives a fuck about. Besides stupid Reddit nerds who sit there and obsess over fucking things like this. So. Um, or things like that, sorry, not things like this. But yeah, so that's what I think, that's what I really like about this film. Uh, who's your favourite character? Oh man, you can't go past Jack Burton. I mean, the dude's such a lovable asshole. Like, he's a dickhead, <laughs> he's a cock, isn't he? He's a bit of a he, wanker. He is such a wanker, but because he is, you know, he's on the front cover, you think he's going to be the action hero, but because he's such a dick and he does nothing the entire movie, like nothing, he's absolutely useless. I think he's relatable. Yeah. I reckon if I was in an action situation, that would probably be me. And you know what? Like, it's what? it's so refreshing to see the white man just get beat down all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and the Asian sidekick kicks some ass. You know? Well, that's what he fails upwards. Like he's like so he's got so much bravado, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, it's all in the reflexes. I never drive faster um, than I can see. You know, it's all in the reflexes. And it's like bloke. You, you don't win a single fight. The only thing you do do is catch is kill Lopan with a knife to the head. And that's literally... Everyone thinks you're going to fuck up. And when you pull that off, everyone's so surprised. You actually get a kiss from Gracie because she can't believe you didn't fuck up. <laughs> I, lo- I love how, though, like... It's like this big anticipation for him to do something. Like the camera is center-framed on him. He's, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to rock and roll. And it's like... During that fight scene where he tells everybody else to run because they only saw him, so he's coming up, he's going to be the big badass hero, right? But then Wang's like, nah, 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 I'll, I'll stay with you. We'll fight together, Jack. And then he goes to get his uh, his knife out of his boot, but he can't get it out. Meanwhile, Wang's just beating the crap out of everyone else. He finally gets the knife out, throws it halfway across the room, chases after it, 
comes back, by the time he comes back, he lands and goes, yeah, and everyone's knocked out. <laughs> it's just like, yes, I love you, Jack. And <laughs> <laughs> like when his gun jams, he's like, oh, now I'm fucked. <laughs> it's like, that's what I love about this guy. He's just, he's, he's Joe Blow, every man, but he acts like he, he, he talks, he talks the talk, but he definitely does not walk the walk. That's what I love about him. That's the one thing I really do, I truly do love about him. The be- um, be- best line, best line yeah. though, is when uh, they're talking about, you know, China is here, China is. He's like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? And then he's like, you know, just before that, he's like, hold on, guys, I kind of feel like an outsider here. You know, you've got the white guy saying to the group of Asians, you know, in the Chinese restaurant, you know, I kind of feel like an outsider. Yeah, all yeah, this sorcery yeah. and shit's happening. Like, yeah. it's still in his world, even though all this mystical shit's happening. It still revolves around Jack. What, what's that quote? I'm a very, I'm a reasonable man, but I've seen, I've experienced some very unreasonable things. That's it. That's yeah. the quote. That's what I love about it. It's just like he's just like, what the fuck? And then his mate, um, is uh, what should we call it? Um, Wang. He's just like, yeah, man, this is just how it is. Um, out of the three sort of henchmen of David Lopan's henchmen, I mentioned before, um, Lightning, Thunder, and Rain. Who's your favorite? Um, whoa. Mm, I kind of, oh, fuck, which one was the big dude? He was, um... That's Thunder. Yeah, Thunder. I I just like Thunder, man. Like, he's such a, he's he's so jacked. <laughs> but he, he looks, I don't know, everything about him, but I accept his death scene was a bit, like, it was a little random. That's one of my grudges with that movie. Is that that scene? I don't know. Just made l- very little sense to me. But um, but throughout the movie, he, he blows himself up, bro. He blows. He, yeah, he gets too jacked. He couldn't. He could. Yeah, he gets too steroids, man. There's that steroids. You know, you get that swell on. You go too hard. You're gonna explode. It's real simple. No, you say no to drugs, boys and girls. Um, but um, he just he's just so menacing. He is so menacing, like his screen presence, everything. He's my my favorite bad guy in that. Low pain. Eh, I I go with I go with thunder. Uh, I will go lightning. I like lightning's hat, and he's pretty sick because he shoots out lightning. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course, you go for the you, you go for the cheat villain. If you had to play him in the game, you'd be like, "Yep, it's cool. All the long range stuff, right there." Yeah, exactly. Of course. Of course. Um. So. We're talking about it now, and it's, fuck, I don't know, 30-plus years, maybe, since this film came out. Um, but at the time when over its release, I can't remember what year it came out. It would have been in... Let's go, I've got it here. Hold on. Uh, 86. So, in 86, when this film came out, it was critically panned, and no one gave a flying fuck about it. Um, I think, um, just to get some context, if this isn't a John Carpenter... Um, Sorry, it's not... John Carpenter directed it, but he didn't write it. It's one of the few things he didn't write. Um, he he did do the score, I'm pretty sure, but the, uh, besides that and, and then directing it, it wasn't sort of his joint, if that makes sense. Um, so John Carpenter, by sort of trade, is a indie filmmaker, um, and he has a lot of involvement in the script and the, the development of his movies, the script development of his movies. Um, but this was one where he was hired to do a job, and he, I think, was pressured by the studio to get it out before, fuck, what was that Eddie Murphy movie? Uh, the Golden Child. The Golden Child, because that was similar in its sort of, um, uh, I guess, S- premise. Similar. premise. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty um, close. Yeah, The Golden Child is about sort of same shit, China's, Chinese wizardry. But what I understand about The Golden Child, like, but this is back in the 80s, kids, when... You couldn't have two films of the same genre be released uh, in close sort of proximity because people wouldn't go to them, if that makes sense. So nowadays, people literally release superhero movie like after superhero movie, week after week. Nobody gives a fuck. But back then, you couldn't have two fucking fantasy sci-fi movies released within the, the, you know, the span of a couple of months because nobody it would be one or the other. So whatever reason, John Carpenter was pressed to get this film out um, so he rushed it, which I think, um, I think it was cut down and he, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's something about something happened where he lost final edit or something like that. 
Um, maybe uh, maybe not, but it's so, something happened. I can't remember off the top of my head. Where basically he was kind of um, not kicked off, but he kind of lost control, and the studio kind of rushed him to get it out. When it was released, it was a bomb. Um, it had a budget of around I think nineteen million, and only made eleven. Um, so back in the eighties, that wasn't great. But the experience of this kind of forced um, John Carpenter to quit the studio system. Anyway, very long-winded uh, sort of uh, setup for a question. But Anth, why do you think this film was was tanked in nineteen eighty six? It was tanked in nineteen eighty six because I think uh, well, just going by what John Carpenter. Uh, said in the audio commentary. I mean, one, uh, marketing. Um, Kurt Russell would go to places. They had $3 million in the budget for marketing, um, which might sound like a lot to a common man like myself, but isn't that much at all, considering that this is well before internet was a thing um, and computers, really. So you got to think that your marketing budget is for TV commercials, it's for posters, billboards, that type of stuff, newspaper articles, all that crap. So $3 million doesn't really get you too far. Um, and like Kurt Russell would go places and people would say to him, hey, man, don't you have a movie coming out soon? And he's like, yeah, like next week. Well, I don't know where I can go see it. I haven't heard anything about it. So straight away, the movie was already kind of set up to fail. Um, and the other thing, it during the test screenings or you know the final edit where they, they reviewed it, they thought that American audiences – um, wouldn't get it because the American, uh, you know, everyman hero isn't blowing shit up like Rambo. He's getting his ass handed to him most of the time and he's not doing anything. So they recorded the beginning scene with Egg where he explains, you know, if it wasn't for Jack Burden, Jack Burden's a true hero, where they kind of just threw that in there to all right, so people know, oh, okay, yeah, Jack, Jack's all right. Jack, Jack did something. When in reality, he didn't. Well, so, he killed Lopan. He, he, he knifed him, mate. He knifed him. He, 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 did, he did knife Lopan. He knifed him very good. But I think what, what the, judging by their audio commentary, it was like this was almost going to be the vehicle for Kurt Russell to be one of the next action stars. But because John Carpenter actually stuck to the script, and he said... This is how the script was written. This is, this is, you know, this is how it's written. I stuck to the way it was written, um, and I, I enjoyed it. And at the end of the day, I just wanted to make a movie that I wanted to make. I didn't really give a shit. Because Kurt Russell was even saying, like, he, after Big Trouble, like, he was like, he felt like a bomb. Because every movie he was going into was bombing at the box office. So he even said to John, like, do you want me in this movie? Um, because I, I think I just tank box offices and John's like, I don't give a shit. I just want you, I just want to make the movie I want to make. Um, so yeah, that he, there, um, he got him from, I think they did a TV movie Elvis together and they had it, they yeah. hit it off. Oh, but yeah, I mean, they, he was they also, hit- that's where the original, that's where the first relationship hit. But then he was also in the thing and escape from New York as well. Yeah, but those again, the thing um, box office didn't really, you know, didn't really too, do too well. Um, and Escape from New York, I don't think, did too well either. We've got to look into that in a future uh, episode. Nah, well, it did better than the thing. Made money. Ma- uh, made money, but it's not like Rambo money, if you know what I mean. Well, I can tell you uh, right now if you want. Uh, sure, bring it up, but I'll finish my statement. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, mate, the thing on a on a production budget of fifteen million made nineteen point six, so probably broke even. Um, Escape from New York on a production budget of six million made uh, a box office of twenty five. So the, the Escape from New York was more successful than the thing. Oh, beautiful. Well, there you go. But Kurt Russell himself, he felt like uh, a bit of a dud because other movies he was in was you know they were didn't do too well. But what I think at the end of the day is that John Carpenter set out to make a movie he wanted to make, and he did that. And he really, the studio involvement, like, yeah, put him off the system and everything, but he didn't really let that get in the way. I think that the studio just worked against him, and that's why the movie didn't do too well. Yeah, because pretty much the execs didn't get it, and they didn't like what they saw because they didn't get it, and then they assumed that other people didn't get it. Because you've got to remember, in 1986, people were fucking stupid, and they don't get um, the subtlety and the um, self-awareness of which this film has. 
and the fact that the self-deprecation of the hero, which is kind of mainstream now, so it was ahead of its time. If this film came out now, it people would love it. I mean, it would be a CGI fest maybe, but they, they would actually like really understand the context more than they would in 1986. In 86, your hero had to be white and had to be pretty much the Terminator, never lose. So, um, yeah, that's 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 nail on the head. Um, one of the things, uh, I guess, um, that that kind of um, John Carpenter is known for, he's known for um, developing the cult following. And basically, his films, as you as you hit on it, um, haven't all not all of them have been successful at the box office, but later on have really with the you know with the benefit of home video dvd and streaming have really sort of gathered pace and momentum um in cult following and he he's not i don't know if a pioneer is the right word but basically his films are synonymous with that sort of um genre so you mentioned the fog uh, not the fog escape from new york and um the thing big trouble in china is kind of of that ilk where, you know, it wasn't a big success, but years later, everyone loves it. Why do you think, I guess my question is, why do you think it became such a massive hit cult-wise? Um, well, I think, I think John Carpenter and Kurt Russell started developing a bit of that name for themselves, um, which, which helped it. But also, I think this movie, it, I mean, without being around in in that era, I, yeah, I can't give you a definitive answer, but I think that people just started discovering it, you know, in in home media, and it's a fun, you know, it's a fun dumb movie, and that there just brought on those rental sales, and I think that appeals, you know, that appeals to a wider audience. It's a movie that you can just sit down and enjoy um, without without thinking. And John Carpenter is really good at that, you know, making those movies where you can just sit down, put it in, and it just flies by. And you can just, you know, relax and enjoy. So I don't think that answered your question, but that's that's my opinion on it. Um, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I actually agree 100% with the sentiment. Like, it's of that, what you just said. It's just... I just feel it came out too soon. Yeah, just in '86, everyone's a fucking dumb dumb um, and watching it, dumb shit. So it's funny you it's funny you say that it came out too soon. So in the audio commentary that was recorded um, about 17 years ago, this audio yeah. commentary I was listening to, yeah. and they were both saying this movie was way ahead of its time. Yeah, and if it came out if it came out now, which you know 17 years ago was the early 2000s. Um, if it came out now, and that was just after, I think Scream Three was, you know, out, and you know, all these self-aware movies were coming out, um, that it would have done a lot better. I believe that even not then, if it came out in the nineties. If, if it came out in the nineties, the effects would have been terrible because um, they would have done that like CGI. Uh, they were saying, so early, yeah, I think they were saying early two thousands is when it should have, you know, was when they're saying it, it would have came out. But I reckon if they held off again. Like, I reckon it was too ahead of its time for then. I reckon if it came out now, it would be perfect. Well, this is what people were watching in 1986. So, the number one film in 1986 is Top Gun. Okay. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, but it's a fucking boring movie. It is. It's got good moments, but it's not a good movie. Uh, Crocodile Dundee, fucking boring movie. Platoon, now that's sick. That's a good movie. Um, The Karate Kid Part 2, that's a good movie. Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Back to School... Uh, Aliens, The Golden Child, Ruthless People. Um, Ruthless People is... That's that comedy. Um, And First Bueller's Day Off. So, I mean, there are some sort of mega hits there. But, um, yeah, I mean, Top Gun and Crocodile Dundee are in your top 10. So, that's kind of where the standard is. Oh, The Golden Child. I can't believe they actually made top 10. Have you seen The Golden Child? I own The Golden Child. So, yes. I remember we watching that we, together. Yeah, and the Pepsi can. We, the at, Pepsi can or at, gra- at, grandma, at Grandma's house, we watched yeah. that. Yeah. Good, good old days, mate. The good old days. It's not, But it's not similar at all. It's just a kid's got magic powers. Well, well how's it any similar? Uh, production-wise, you know it's better. It is better pro- production-wise. 
I, I would argue that it's not really a better production, uh, production-wise. That and and audiences, if, if you listeners, I should say, if you have seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. The final um, CGI or special effects creature boss, um, big trouble shits all over it. But um, I, I think it, if you look at it from this way, all right, you've got a westerner who knows nothing about Asian culture gets drawn into an Asian sorcery world and has to rescue somebody. I think both movies kind of sound the same. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> and they're comedies, both of them. Uh, yeah, but in the... Pre- I don't know. I haven't seen The Golden Child in years, but I... I the it's different though, right? Eddie Murphy has to save the golden child, whereas they got to kill David Lopan in Chinatown, and Eddie Murphy's in the Himalayas, isn't he, or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he travels eventually. Like, yeah, yeah. You're right. So, you know, one's set in Chinatown, the other one's set wherever and it's set. It's set in LA, then it goes to China. I don't know. I whatever. I don't. I don't. I don't. I. I. I felt if I was thirty in '86, if I was thirty years of age, I would be able to have a enough sense to distinguish the difference between the plot of Golden Child and Big Trouble in Little China. You know, it's funny, uh, fun fact, that um, the actor who played Egg, he is in both films. So, Victor Wong is in The Golden Child and he's in Big Trouble in Little China and he's pretty much playing the exact same character. (laughs) Egg gets around, (laughs) man. Egg morphs into different forms. Um, (laughs) Uh, one of the things about, um, I guess, it's why this has come back into vogue um, is because they've announced a remake of um, Big Trouble in Little China with The Rock. Um, and for those who don't know, which I assume is probably everybody, but John Carpenter could not give a fuck about it. <laughs> um, he's, uh, I think he was on Roddy uh, Piper's podcast, I'm fairly certain, where he pretty much said, like, this was a hire-to-do-a-job sort of deal and because he doesn't get any money from the remake, he doesn't care. So it's not it's not like um, he's, he can't change it. If they're going to remake it, they're going to remake it. He actually says the remakes he likes are the ones where he gets paid, i.e. the Halloween remakes. Those are the ones he likes because he gets paid. <laughs> um, but he he's actually indifferent to the remake. So if John Carpenter is indifferent to the remake... Uh, how does the remake with a remake of Big Trouble in Little China with The Rock sound to you? And are you comfortable with it? If you uh, if you told me this back in say I don't know um, 2010, a bit earlier before The Rock got shoved down my throat every 35 seconds, I would say yeah, all right. But here's the thing: The Rock in his movies cannot play an everyman. Not now, anyway. Every movie he plays, he is a security card who is ex-special forces. He's a, um, a guy who studies freaking gorillas and stuff, but he's a ex-special ops. You know, he can't play an everyman. Like, you can't... The Jack Burden, Kurt Russell, you he looked like... He looked normal, right? You could relate. Yeah, he wasn't... He was tall, but he was, definitely wasn't athletic. He and, just had, like, he, a slender build. Well, let's be honest, and, you know, let's be honest, I'm not being racist. He's tall because he's standing next to a whole bunch of (laughs) Asians who aren't naturally tall. But he, you know, they they positioned Jack Burton to look like the odd one out, but he still looked, you could relate to him 100%. I don't think, you know, you got six foot five, you know, the rock jacked, you know, beyond freaking thunder. I just don't think I don't think The Rock can pull it off. The Rock is charming, but he doesn't have that type of charm to be charming and an asshole. He'd have to I don't be think he fat, can do it. Yeah, he'd have to be in a fat suit or something. Um, like that's the whole pre- that's the whole point of um, of the main character in Big Trouble Little China is that he's um, self-deprecating. He's a schlub. Like he thinks he's better than he actually is. He thinks his abilities are greater than what they actually are. So every time he talks to talk, he can definitely he never backs it up because he can't do anything. Like that's the why it's so charming and endearing. And you're, you're fundamentally having a big tonal shift if you're doing um, a conventional sort of action film, which is why it won't work because Jack Burton is a fucking a dud he's a dud hero like he's just 
He drinks beers, man, and gambles and smokes and has four ex-wives because that's the kind of guy he is. No one can stand him. Um, so the rock is uh, hold on. he's also the type of arsehole who creates a love connection and then just like ditches a <laughs> on his hero exit out yeah. before the end of the movie it's, well I mean they're exactly right it's like the westerns um, you know the, the hero comes into town saves the day and then he rides off into the sunset um, well fun- funnily enough this was originally meant to be a western oh was it yeah oh I didn't know that wait wait Chinese Western. Yeah, so I mean, um, originally the the script called it to be a Western. So I'm guessing that in the Western world, the you know there was Chinese sorcery, was, you know, so exact same premise, but just set in Western times. There you go. So instead of driving a truck, you would have a horse and carriage or something. Yeah, I guess it it, it makes sense. Um... So I mean that's the only reason why I, I'm I'm against the remake if they're going to make it a conventional action film and make rely on the Rock's charm and to have quippy jokes in it. It's kind of not the point of the film. Jack Burden isn't the hero. Like everyone else around him are the more capable people in the scenario. Wang, Egg, um, you know the Changxing uh, fighters. They're all the guys that actually pull the pull the weight. Of the you know, um, of defeating the evil guys, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where I'd want to see it because I want to see a remake. <laughs> like, I love this film so much. I'm actually like, I'm pro sequels, prequels, remakes, TV shows, whatever they want to do with it. But at the same time, just if you're going to do a tonal shift, I prefer they keep the sentiment of the original. They don't have to stick to the script and the sort of the original. Like I don't care. It can be set in any other different city. It could be. He doesn't have to be a truck driver. He can just be a bartender, whatever. But I. That's why I like this film so much. Is because of the tone of it. Because it is. You know, it's not taking itself seriously. It's it's like action comedy. They need to take the rock out of there. It almost needs like a. Um, and I, I don't. I don't say put him in there, but it almost needs like a Chris Pratt kind of actor that. Can, yeah, you know, bingo, bingo. Yeah, he would have been perfect. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, like, I don't even, yeah. Li- I don't even like him and like his shit. But I think in in that a type of situation, you need a fat one, a fat, not a, a, yeah, not a shredded one. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he can, he can have yeah. a little bit of arms, but you know, yeah. a beer belly, beer belly, a little bit of arms is fine. But <laughs> I think you, you need you need someone like that who who's just like that every man who has that that quick wit about him and just can play a lovable asshole. That's what you need. And I would watch it. Spot on, man. Spot on. Spot on. We should book um, this shit, Sam. We should book this. Let's go Hollywood right now. <laughs> um, I think they're drinking rock fever. Rock makes money, and I guess if they did a remake with the rock, it'd make money, so that's a good thing. Um, have we talked about... Yeah, I think we talked about everything. Um, so the, the plot is, isn't incomprehensible, it is, but it is hard to describe. Um, but... One of the things I like about it is that it's also fairly succinct once you get a grasp of what's going on. It's pretty much, they got to rescue the girls. That means they got to go back to the evil guy's lair and defeat the evil guy. So it's not overly over the top, but it's the world building in it is fantastic. Like the cinematography of San Francisco, particularly in the markets and when he's driving around is really cool and it looks really sort of street and grunge. And, you know, it, um, they did a really good job there. Cause I've actually been to Chinatown and San Fran and it's like, it's spot on. It's really cool. It's, um, the aesthetic or, or the, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'm not articulate. I, I can't, it's just the look of it looks really cool. And Lopan's, um, evil layer with all the neon lights and stuff looks, looks really spot on. I mean, it's not, um, cheesy or it just looks cool and engaging um what did you think of uh the set design and sort of the cinematography of it i loved it man i loved it like uh you know i've said this before if i could roll into chinatown right now and you know go into this under like go down a sewer grate and go into an underground world like that man i'd be loving life sorcery all that type of shit be great but I, I really I really love how they go into like a front entrance and then they have to go up or down this elevator, but it doesn't matter which way they go, they could end up, you know, underground or whatever. And it like fills up with salt water, like ocean water. There's little dungeons, traps, 
that type of stuff. It's real, it's real imaginative, and you know, it's, it's just to me fantastic. No issue with this movie at all. Love the cinematography. Love all that. Yeah, fantastic. Out of the park. Ten out of ten. Alrighty. Um. Well, I guess the into to kind of wrap this bad boy up. We've talked about a couple of John Carpenter films. I think we did The Thing and... Have we done Escape from New York? I don't even know. I can't remember. No, uh, no, we, no, haven't. no we haven't. We've done... We did touch upon Halloween. Um, we did The Thing and now we've done Big Trouble. Oh, so. we haven't done um, Escape from New York. No well, we, we, we haven't. In a previous podcast, you might have done it with, uh, you know, someone else, but not, not, with, not with the phony, mate. Just have a look now. Jesus Christ, I can't remember. We've done almost 50 of these things. Who would have wow. thought? Um, Just get better uh, with no, every episode. Yeah, I don't think we have. Um, so, to give some context in the in the John Carpenter sort of uh, span, so this came out in '86. Um, John Carpenter, like I said, was disillusioned. He made, went on to make Prince of Darkness, and that's amazing. That film. Have you seen Prince of Darkness? No, no, I don't think I have. That's one I... of his best films. It's very underrated. It's it's pretty sick. Um, it's about vampires, and then after that. He went on to make They Live. Um, that's just iconic film, an iconic film. Mm-hmm. But pretty much, he doesn't really make any... He, like, that kind of is the end of his run, um, sadly, because after They Live in 1988, he goes on to make another studio film called Memoirs of an Invisible Man starring Chevy Chase, which is like a comedy. That pans and uh, that bombs so hard. Um, and then he never really makes a hit again. Um, like... He goes on to make Village of the Damned, which I think was a TV movie. Uh, I've, I've got Village of the Damned, by the way. Is it a TV movie? Uh, no, it's a remake of... Um, I don't think it's a TV movie, but it's a oh. remake of Village of the Damned uh, in 1960. It's well, got Christopher... It's got Superman in it. It's it's tr- it's that's a garbage film, and then he makes Escape from LA, which is uh, horrific. Um, vampires, I like. <laughs> it's cheesy, but I like it. Um, it's got John Woods in it. Um, hey, hey, no, John, hey, hey, Padre, Yeah, I like vampires. <laughs> it's it's fucking it's cheese. It's got I think it's got Bon John John Bon Jovi in it. No, um, no, that's the sequel. That's the sequel that John Gabbard wasn't a part of. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> John Bon Jovi as the um, as the hero. I saw that, and that was like. That was the weirdest shit ever. <laughs> I like I like vampires. Um, yeah, he, again, he that, that's a it's a it's got yeah James Woods in it. It's it's a I don't mind it. It's not a great film, but I, I like it. Um, and then Ghost of Mars, which was really bad in two thousand one, hmm. and The Ward. Um, then The Ward, I yeah, the Ghost of Mars is horrific. Like it's actually so garbage, it's unbelievable. Um, and um, yeah, and the ward is just a conventional um, horror film, so that's nothing to write home about. So I actually, it, actually haven't seen the ward, but I don't want to now. No, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, he's like to my in my mind, he is one of the most unique filmmakers. Um, every movie he's made has been he's 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 pretty much touched on every genre possible, from sci-fi to uh, what you know, um, kung fu movies to uh horror um to comedy so he's very versatile director he writes and scores a lot of his films he he's is unique in everything he does and i think he's one of the best so john carpenter if you pick up a john carpenter film he has made a fucking shitload of films um one two three four five six seven eight nine ten like something like over around 20 films you're not going to be disappointed it's it's he's made some hits like you know halloween um uh, Christine, um, uh, what's the one with? It's got that um, guy Jeff Bridges. Is it Starman? I think it's Starman. Um, so he's made heaps of films. All of them are guaranteed good time. All of them are engaging. So, listeners, I can't recommend this film enough. Big Trouble in Little China. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Try and get it somewhere um, on streaming or um, YouTube or whatever. And yeah, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, 100 out of 100, whatever your rating system is, guaranteed good time. I just want to say the thing about John Carpenter is that um, when you put on a movie and it's a John Carpenter movie, you know it's a John Carpenter movie. Here's a bloke that, you know, gives no shits. You listen to him in interviews. You, you summed it up when he's talking about the remakes. 
You know, he gives no shits. He's going to make what he wants to make, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, doesn't matter. You're watching a John Carpenter movie. As soon as, you know, you hear his score, it's, it's simple, it's poetic, um, and you get into his movies, his style, everything. Um, uh, you know, if you're a film student out there as well, like when I studied film, I would study the shit out of John Carpenter movies because um, just this style and everything is is just amazing and it's unique to him. He's put his own brand on it. So I don't want to sound like a John Carpenter groupie, but that man, gift of filmmaking. 100%. Cheer, here, here. Couldn't say it any better. All right, listeners, that's it. That's all we've got time for this week. Um, we... We talked about we we danced around going to see Glass, but I don't think I will because I f- I saw Split and fuck that movie sucks. <laughs> I told you you'd hate it. <laughs> it's fucking so bad. It's like Silence of the Lambs, but a PG version. Oh, it's garbage. Mate, I hate it. My my, you just gotta open your eyes to the beast, man. Nah, just, bro. nah. You know bro. what you need to. You know what you need though. You just need to. You just need to relax. And let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, and Glass has gotten really bad reviews and ain't got no time for that so we might pick up I'm thinking Attila Battle Angel that might be our next one I'm kind of interested to see where that goes but I'm not sure if Anthony wants to see that anyway we'll either be back with a new, with another flashback or another review episode so until then thanks for listening Ant, thank, Ant thanks for uh, joining me on this episode Mate, any time. You know what? I love talking about films. You just tell me where to go, what to see. I'll go see it. Listeners, thank you very much. Follow me at A Real Phony. Bring that up, all right? And uh, you'll enjoy some uh, crazy antics of the Anthony variety. Cool. And as always, you can find us at FFM. No, FMMR pod uh, <laughs> uh, on Twitter. What was that? At F Full M Metal M Movie R Reviews pod um on twitter soundcloud and you've told me we're on itunes so there we are i'll take word for it and yeah, baby. until next week listeners ciao